0: other name under heaven and earth given among men whereby we must be saved today father that we pray that your kingdom would come in and through your people lord jesus that's the only way Your kingdom's going to come to this earth is through your vessels, O God. That your kingdom would come, O God, and that your will would be done, O God, among us, in us, through us, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, as your vessels of honor today. Father, we thank you for every breath, O God. We thank you for your peace. We thank You for Your joy. We thank You for Your power. We thank You for the authority and dominion that's in us, O God, by Your Spirit, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, O God, to come together, Lord. O God, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, to assemble together as fellow believers, O God, to assemble together, Lord Jesus, for these few minutes, these couple of hours, O God. Lord Jesus, we need you to have your way today. Lord, let my will be, O oh God, let my will die right now, Lord Jesus, that your will would be accomplished. Lord Jesus, let us lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside everything, every concern, every care, everything that we think we need to worry about today. Lord, we want to lay it aside. We want to cast it at your feet, Father, and let it take our hands off of it today. Lord, help us to lay it Down in our mind and our spirit, Lord Jesus, give us a heart and a mind to receive from you today, Lord Jesus, to receive what you have for for us today, Lord Jesus, that we would receive, O oh God, your word, O oh God, that we would receive impartation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, O oh God. Great is your goodness and mercy and grace. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your love for your people, O oh God, for your precious ones, O oh God. We are your precious vessels, O oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Iadabokosianama Jesus, your worthy God, your worthy God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Great God, great God, we love you God, we love you God, we love you God. Oh let's just love him for a few minutes right now. Let's just praise him For a few minutes right now, let's exalt and magnify and glorify and lift up His name. Let's create an atmosphere in this place for God to move. Let's create an atmosphere in this place for God to enter in. Let's create an atmosphere in this place, O O God, that our hearts and minds, O God, that we open and willing, O God, Lord Jesus, to receive, O God, impartation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, have Your way in this place. Have Your way, O God. Oh God, we want you to have your way. We want you to know that we love you. We want you to know that we honor you, Jesus. We want you to know that we praise and glorify and magnify and lift up your holy name. Oh God, because you're worthy today. You're worthy of all of our praise. Lord, let the fruit of our lips give praise unto your name right now. Let the fruit of our lips give praise unto your name right now, Lord Jesus. Have your way among your people today. Have your way among your people today. Hallelujah. 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 Glorious and mighty God, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Jesus. Oh, we're so thankful for all those that are joining us online today and those that are here and it seems a little light, but we've got some folks at a wedding and some other folks on vacation and so God is still here. God doesn't take a vacation. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm just so privileged and honored Amen to be a part of his kingdom. Amen. And uh he chose each one of us. He made each one of us. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that he knew us before we were in the womb. So so he knew who we were personally before we ever went into the womb. And so he had a plan. He loved us from, that, from the moment He knew us. Amen. And He only wants the very best. Amen. We are His, the Bible calls us vessels of honor. Kings and priests, the Bible says. We are kings and priests. Amen. And He needs us. He needs us. Amen. Acts forty Acts two, forty one through forty seven says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. And the fear came upon every soul, and every one and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed, everybody say all that believed were together. And had all things common. Hallelujah. They had all things common. That doesn't mean that all their things, their stuff. They had all things common. They were all believers. They had all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They had all received the promise of the Father. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all as every man had need. Church took care of itself. Church took care of those that needed it. And they continuing daily with one accord daily, daily. They continued daily with one accord, with the same focus, same end game in mind, and in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Not just those around them right there in that general vicinity, but all the people. Everywhere they went. They had favor with all the people. How, do, how is that possible? Because God gave them favor. It wasn't just because of their warm personality or, or whatever. It was because God gave them favor. And the Lord added to the church daily, daily, such as should be saved. So why are we here? Why am I teaching this lesson on exploring God's Word? Anybody? Why are we here? You know, in the Bible, there was... uh, there was a situation where after Jesus went to the cross and, and after He arose and He ascended into heaven that the disciples, His twelve, this is just my interpretation. I think maybe they, they thought, well, Jesus is gone. Now what do we do? Because they didn't believe anything He told them. And so they they had to be in this upper room. They just had to be. They had to be in a room somewhere. Hallelujah, Jesus. I can get my technology to work here. (laughs) Jesus Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. And so these guys, the Bible says that they were, they were, they had to be in a room because the Bible says they sat at meat and Jews didn't eat outside. And this is, this is the time in uh, Matthew 16, 14, when Jesus is getting ready to give them the great commission. This is one of the... One of the instances of the Great Commission in the New Testament, and, he's, and it says in fourteen afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat. So they were in a building, sitting and having a meal together. They weren't outside at a, an outside diner somewhere. They were inside of a building. It's not where he told them to go. And it says and he upbraided them with their unbelief. And that word upbraided means that he kind of got got all up in their grill. He got all up in their business. He, he wasn't being very nice about it. That you look up that word upbraided. Okay, anybody ever been yelled at by a teacher or a parent, and you're just sitting there like, if I open my mouth, I'm gonna be in trouble. And that's what he was doing. He was upbraiding them with their unbelief. What what unbelief? and their hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. People said, hey, we saw him. They didn't believe it. They're just seeing things. And he after he upbraided them, after he gave them what for, he said this, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. It's in Mark 16. Sorry if I said Matthew. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Everybody in this room is them that believe. And everybody that's listening is them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with a new tongue. That means you can cast out devils. You know that? Not in here. You don't have to bring them in here. You can cast them out out there. That's what he told them. Didn't we just read that? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus is telling them to do what he modeled before them. He modeled it before he told them to do it. Because the Bible says he had no place to, to lay his head. He didn't have an apartment. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a tent to live in. He just went from place to place to place and put his head wherever he could find. And Jesus did that. And he talked to everybody. He talked to the prostitute. He talked to the tax collector. He talked to the... He, he, he put his hands on the, the man that had leprosy. He, did, he just went everywhere and he got ridiculed for all these people because he wasn't just talking to, to the Jews and to the certain people. He was talking to everybody. And that's what he's expecting us to do. That's why he upbraided his disciples. Are you a disciple today? I am. I'm still a disciple. I'm still learning. I haven't arrived yet. I have not. I'm not even close. (laughs) The bus hasn't even left the depot yet. That's how far away I am from where I need to be with God. And we're all in the same boat. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And he's talking about who? Them that believe. We got power to do all those things, but we got to do it out there. He upbraided them because they went and hid in a room. It was never intended for this to be in a building. It's to be out there. The souls that we need to reach aren't in here. They're out there. Right? That's true. You don't have to believe it. It's true. God said it. That settles it. The, believe, the, the I believe it part is irrelevant. You don't have to believe it. You can believe it if you want to. You can believe it if you don't. Don't believe it if you don't. So we're talking about exploring God's word. That's what that's what we're here for. You need to be thinking about and and praying about God, where do you where do you need me to go? Who do you need me to teach? And it's not going to be comfortable. And you're the one he tells you that you need to go teach a Bible study to, you're going to go, Oh, not that one. How about somebody else? Right? When I asked God in my sinful state, when I told God that I'd I'd really like to have a wife, he pointed me to that one up there in the booth. And I ain't gonna lie to you. At that first moment I looked at that situation and I said, No, God, not that one. Cause I had a I had she, I've told her this. She knows I, I'm not embarrassing her. And and God kept telling me, no, that one. And so after like the third time, I said, okay. I realized I had just prayed and he was answering. And so I said, okay. Thank God I said, okay. Because he knew the one I needed. It wasn't in my flesh, in my human mind, in my... You know, I was imagining like a Cheryl Teagues, if anybody know who that is, or Bo Derrick or somebody like that. That's what, in my mind, that's what I was imagining he would send me. Not that she's not one of those. But God knew what I needed beyond what I felt in my human flesh. I was trying to just fulfill a human need. God was fulfilling a need that went way beyond that moment. I don't know why I'm saying all this. I'll get in trouble later probably. <laughs> but, folks, he's going to send you to t- teach some Bible study to some people that you're going to go, there's no way. They ain't got a snowball's chance in Hades. But you don't know that. You don't know that. You need to be praying don't just go out on your own. Start looking for somebody. You need to be praying. God, send me to the hungry people. And it's going to be the most unlikely people you ever thought in your world, in your wild, in your wildest dreams. But that's going to be the one. There's there's umpteen testimonies in this organ in the UPCI of people that are pastors and preachers. Jeff Arnold was a total drunk, hung, hanging out at the honky tonks. We all think of him. We think of his preaching and how awesome, you know, And but he came from a, a bad life. He was the last guy anybody would have ever thought. But there came a day one day when somebody was ministering to him that he went home and he started pouring out all the liquor. So, we need to be... It, we're in the last days, if anybody had noticed. We're in the last days. And it behooves us. I don't, do you want anybody in, to go to hell? You don't want to go. So you must have a reason that you don't want to go. Why in the world would you let somebody else go? Well, they're just hopeless. Well, how do you know? God knows everything. So we were toward the end of lesson five. We were talking about Israel and and, uh, we were talking about the prophet, uh, how Israel had gone into bondage. Because why? Because they disobeyed God. They were disobedient to God. And he sent them prophets. Is he doing that today? We don't call them prophets. We call them teachers, pastors. But he's also sending us prophets. There were prophetesses in the Bible. God used women. And so the prophet Elijah was one of them, and he was sent to turn Israel from, from Baal worship. They were worshiping Baal. Now, we don't openly and, and just egregiously worship some false god, but in, in some ways I think we have to do our own soul searching. We have to search ourselves. And ask ourselves, Am I there's something in my life that I'm putting before God self, my want, my way, my will, and whatever that entails. Whatever hobby or whatever thing it is, you gotta ask yourself, is there anything in my life between me and God that I need to get out of the way so God can use me? That's what God was trying to do for Israel. He just He chose them and He wanted them to be His people, but they just seemed to just want to go do their own thing. And so Israel had kings for several years, and one of those kings was a wicked king. His name was King Ahab, and and he was not. He, he had the opportunity to be a good king, but he he didn't. And, there, and then there was this wife he had named uh, this uh, lady named Jezebel, and uh, they did things like killed off Naboth just to get his property. And then after King Solomon, Israel was divided. We talked about that. And they were divided into the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. And so they were divided. And around between 606 B.C. and 722 B.C., both kingdoms went into exile for 70 years. And God allowed the Assyrians and allowed the Babylonians to come take them into bondage. Didn't give them victory. They had had victories. And He would sent them into these these lands and said I'm going to you're going to you're going to go against these people that are that are not godly and they're serving idols and you, and you're going to and I'm going to give you victory over them. And he wouldn't give them victory. He gave them bondage. You ever feel like sometimes that just stuff nothing's going right in your life? And you're thinking, where in the world is God? Well, he's right there. Why is all this hell breaking loose in my life? He's right there. He doesn't go anywhere. He's omnipresent. What does that mean? Omni everywhere. He's present everywhere. All the time. He never takes a nap. He never takes a vacation. He never goes on sabbatical. He's always faithful. Always available. Whether you believe it or not, He is here. He is real. He's in this room right now. And if you have the Holy Ghost, he's living inside of you right now. Not all of him, just a measure of him. And so through that time of exile, the people of Israel had other prophets that God sent during those times of exile, like people like Esther and Daniel to encourage them. And God's the same yesterday, today and forever. He never changes, right? Is that true? It is true. He's the same. And as I said already, the judgment was because of their disobedience and their unrepented heart. Not only not only did they disobey, but God sent a prophet to, to try to get their attention and When he did get their attention, they wouldn't even repent. They just said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Any of us ever done that? Any of us ever said that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but God, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. We've all been guilty of that. Probably in the last 24 hours, we've been guilty of that. That's why he gives us the gift of repentance. What is repentance? Just first of all acknowledging that what you're doing is not pleasing to God. Second of all is telling God, "I'm sorry that I've been acting like this." And then it's it's telling God, "I'm I'm going to do my level best as a human being to to walk away from that stuff with your help and your guidance." That's the beauty of the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Ghost, I look at it as a, like a little alarm system in, my, in, in me that lets me know when stuff is not right. It, the, the Holy Ghost is, is that, that spirit, that conviction that I feel when I, when I talk bad about somebody that's driving that cuts me off, when I talk bad about somebody that mistreats me, because that's one of His creations. They might be yelling at you, cussing at you, spitting on you, but that's His creation. You got to love him. He loves him. Amen. Introduction to the New Testament. Finally, we're at the New Testament. Hallelujah. So why did why does why do you do a Bible study like this where you talk about the, the Old Testament for such a long time? Cuz it's important. One one person said that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, and the New, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. What's a testament? What is a testament? We're going to talk about it. What's that? Hallelujah. A testament is a covenant. The old covenant. God made a covenant with Israel. He said, I'll do this. And I expect you to do this. And he made a promise. He made a covenant. And God God swore an oath, the Bible says, And when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So if he's God, which he is, and he swore an oath by his own self, if he ceases to do anything that he promised to do, he ceases to be God. That's pretty serious. Right? How was... How were these books written? The Bible says that men who were moved on by the Holy Ghost wrote as God directed them to write. Some of the songs that we sing were written under the anointing of the Holy Ghost by people who never heard those words ever in their life. They were just sitting there one day and all of a sudden God started speaking to their mind and they just and he said write. And they started writing. They 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 weren't even musicians. They just started, God was just speaking through them and telling them to write. That's exactly how the Old Testament and New Testament were written. God used men. He uses us today. There's 27 books in the New Testament. That's a fun fact. It's divided into five sections, the four gospels, one book of history, which the actual whole Bible is a book of history, but it's a book of the history of the church, where the church began, and then the 13 Pauline epistles and the eight general epistles, and one book of prophecy. It's vitally important to recognize the purposes of each book to whom it was originally addressed This information helps in the interpretation of Scripture. And as you read through your New Testament, which was the new covenant that Jesus started on the day of Pentecost, that's why it's called the New Testament. So technically, you could say that the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which were written about the life of Jesus Christ, that was all Old Testament, wasn't it? Jesus was alive during the Old Testament time. 'Cause when did the New Testament start? On the day of Pentecost. One testament, one covenant ended that day, and at the exact same moment that the old covenant ended, the new one began. As soon as they walked out of that room, that upper room, talking in tongues, that was the end of the old covenant. So you could technically say that the four the four gospels were those men lived during Old Testament times. They were still doing the the sacrifices. They still had the temple. The, The veil of the temple hadn't been rent yet. And so all of that, we call those books part of the New Testament, but it was because they were written, most likely after the day of Pentecost. Okay? So the three of those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are what's called the synoptic. Gospels. And so they well, the reason they're called synoptic Gospels is because they take a common view of the order of events surrounding the life of Christ. Okay? While each book was ultimately intended for all humanity, Matthew seems to have had the foremost in his mindset a Jewish audience, Mark a Roman audience, Luke a Greek audience audience those are important things to know we just read the bible sometimes but you have to ask yourself who was his audience (coughs) who was paul's audience who was he talking to who was matthew's audience who was he talking because you're going to talk differently to romans than you are to greeks and you're going to talk differently to the jewish people than you are to romans The two are not mutually exclusive. The Romans didn't like the Jews and vice versa. They just kind of got along. Matthew quotes the Old Testament again and again in support of the claim that Jesus is the Messiah. The fact that Jesus was going to be born, the fact that He was going to come, the fact that there was going to be a Savior is just, the the Old Testament is just full of it. Full. Full of information about Jesus Christ. Amen. One of those scriptures, one of those prophets in the Old Testament do, do, do. Was the prophet Malachi. Malachi 3 1 says, Behold, I will send my messenger. Now, this is talking about John the Baptist. And he shall prepare the way before me. Now, if Jesus, th- this is almost like somebody's already there talking like they're there, right? So, Jesus must be God because he hadn't been born yet. But it's talking as though, because he's talking as if he's the person speaking, the person writing is the one that's that this messenger is going to prepare the way for. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. John twenty one twenty five says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which they that they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So as I said before, these synoptic gospels are not an exhaustive writing of every aspect of Jesus' life. There's so much that could have been written, as we just read about the life of Jesus Christ, that the books, the volumes, could not be written. We couldn't contain them. There's not a library big enough. And so they 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 majored on the things that mattered, the things that God told them to write about. Amen. Mark. He spoke to the Romans. And the Romans, their mindset was they focused on governmental authority and power. When you think of Rome and Caesars and all those kind of things like that, that's what they focused on. Authority and power and all those things. Mark stressed the miracles of Christ, emphasizing His supernatural authority over all things. Do we really believe that God in the in the person in the man of Jesus Christ has all power over all things. Doesn't the Bible say that all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth? So is does that mean that God's relinquishing his power to a lesser God? That's not possible. Right? God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's all-powerful, all-holy, all-righteous, all-everything. So he was trying to get across to the Romans those facts, those, those necessary things that needed to be known about the supernatural authority of Jesus Christ. They, these men were doing you know they were it's like they were doing everything they could to to tell the people of that time hey this guy named Jesus Christ he is god robed in flesh but they just didn't get it that's why they crucified him Luke and the gracious perfection of Jesus. The Greek mind was attracted to culture, philosophy, wisdom, reason, beauty, and education. They were very highly intellectual people. The Greeks were. They would be like the upper class today that likes to go to art museums and concerts. And they were just into all the cultural things and all the the hoity-toity things, if you will. Luke presented, he presents a complete, orderly, and classical story in what has been called the most beautiful book ever written. The Gospel of Luke reveals the glorious beauty and perfection of the ideal man, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nobody like him. He's the only sinless man that ever walked the earth. John focused on the deity of Jesus. John balances the other three Gospels by his special emphasis on the deity of Jesus Christ. The book begins in much the same way as the book of Genesis. It reveals that Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh and that He was, from the very beginning, God, the Creator of all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. If you're if I'm speaking, is my word with me? It's my words. It's not Wayne's words. It's not I almost said Kyla. Karina's words. All these K names. It's my words. So are my words with me? They're with me. In the beginning was the word, and the word that what's the word that he's talking about there? The logos. The, they forever settled. The commands, the voice of God, the word of God. The word was God. I am my words. Right. I'm, if I say something stupid, I'm going to be condemned for it. Nobody else. It's my words. And the word was God. The word became flesh. The very word that spoke this world into existence that that. Told the seas, the Red Sea to part, that told, that did all these things, that told the priests to put their foot in the Jordan River, and then when they did, the river parted. That same voice became Jesus robed in flesh. And so we get to the book of Acts. So the first four books of the New Testament, or the New Covenant, present a historical account of Jesus Christ. The next book, Acts, provides a historical account of the early church. The first chapter continues the story of the last moments of Christ while he remained on the earth and then records the establishment of the New Testament or New Covenant church in Jerusalem. So even in the book of Acts, right up to that point where where Jesus was still talking to his people, we were still in the Old Testament. Technically, right? There, the promise of the Father, the Holy Ghost, was poured out upon the waiting believers. The establishment of the church was prophesied in the Gospels and accomplished in Acts. To understand how the church was founded, it is necessary to study the book of Acts. This book, the book of Acts, It records the history of how the New Testament church, which we are a part of today, was established. It started on the day of Pentecost, humanly. But in God's mind, it started way before that. In in His ultimate plan, He had a church already. We were in His plan already. Because if Jesus Christ came from the foundation was was created from the foundation of the world and if god knew us before we were in the womb that means that we were already in his plan and will before he ever had and before we ever got to the place of the book of acts day of pentecost experience and so i like to look at it like this god has a timeline and we are on that timeline and if we can talk about oh i wish i was had lived in the days of the book of Acts. Oh, I wish I could have, have been around when, when in Azusa Street in 1901 when all that went on. But I'm telling you right now, every single one of us is, was born into the time we need to be born into, which is right now. We are here because God placed us here on His timeline. Just like He placed those, those men in the, in, in the Bible that wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were there for their time. Right. Just think about that guy Lazarus. You know, the one that Martha and Mary said, Hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dying. And he said, Yeah, I know. I'll be there in a little bit. I'm paraphrasing. And he let him die. And then after that happened, and they they raised Lazarus from the dead, you never hear about Lazarus ever again. So if you think about it, That guy's whole purpose and goal in life as far as the kingdom was concerned was to get sick and die and be resurrected. Boom, that's the end of the story for him. That was his whole, he never had any kind of ministry that we know of, that we read of. His whole purpose and goal in life was just to be there on the timeline so that Jesus could be glorified through his death and resurrection. You just might be on the timeline for some, what seems to be, silly little thing like that. But if God needs you to be on the timeline when He needs you to be there at that moment, just like He did Lazarus, I want to be right where he, want, where he has me right now. I want to be there. Don't you? Exploring God's Word. I can't wait. I just can't wait for the Bible studies that are going to be talked about and testified about in this building. I really can't. Me included. You know, we were supposed to have a family at our house last Friday, and we, we rescheduled the the team meeting just so we could have them there because I didn't want to upset that because they, they invited themselves. They asked us, could we come and bring my mom and dad? And I, I thought, okay, God, this is awesome. And then at the last minute on Friday, they, the one lady said, called and said she had stomach problems, and the first thing out of my mouth was the devil is a liar because he, he just disrupted that because he knows he knows if they get in my house, all, all bets are off. So they're coming next week. She's already told us. She made a dessert for our whole evening, and because she felt so bad, she sent us half the dessert. <laughs> Hallelujah. So they're serious, and God is serious. Hallelujah. Talking about the New Testament. Luke 24, 44 through 49 says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. And all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. See right there? Jesus was trying to tell them, They've been talking about me for eons. For centuries, they've been talking about my coming. They opened, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And you know, that's how they, that's how they taught Bible study. They didn't have a book. They didn't have this. They went from house to house, not with a Bible study chart. They just went with their testimony. It's all they had. And a lot of those people couldn't read or write. So how in the world did they turn the world upside down with this gospel? Power of God. God took care of that. Peter, when he spoke on the day of Pentecost, he had no notes. He didn't have a pulpit to stand in front of. He didn't have an iPad to open and start reading through his notes and his script. He just opened his mouth, and the the Holy Ghost just started flowing through him. Whatever he said, he was just saying because that's what God was telling him to say at that moment. Same thing he did for the prophets. He would tell Jeremiah, just, here's what I want you to say. And go say it, and don't worry about their faces. Just go say what I said to say. And this is not only go say it, but say it how I want you to say it. If you wanted them to say it forceful, and they went over there quiet, and like, no, that's not how I told you to say it. So that's how they did it. You have to think about this stuff. You don't need to have a a Bible study. You don't don't need to have a PI degree (coughs) to teach a home Bible study, right? you just have to have a testimony and i mean we know people in this room know enough about the bible if you know what's the, what's the bible say if that, that don't worry about what you're going to say when you get in that moment i'm paraphrasing god'll give you what to say don't try to don't try to overthink it and and, and just worry about i don't know what i'm going to say don't worry about it start with your testimony Stuff will start coming out of your mouth after a while and you'll be going, Where you'll you'll be thinking while you're saying it, where's that coming from? Where in the world? I I didn't know I knew that. <laughs> Cause if you keep putting money in the bank, it's there's gonna be some there to take out when you need it. Right? But if you don't keep putting money in the bank, you can you can try to draw some out, but there's not going to be any funds. So the word of God's like that. That's why we got to spend time in the Word. That's how we, why we got to spend time with the Master. So that you know what His voice sounds like. So when that moment comes when He says, "I want you to say this," you know that's His voice, and you don't question, you don't doubt, you just open your mouth and say it. Everybody in this room is capable of that. Not just people with preaching license. Everybody. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved, or was absolutely necessary, for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached or proclaimed. That word preached is not what we think of preached like behind a pulpit. That just word means proclaimed in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What did, what did Jesus tell him at Jerusalem? What, 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 what was one of the last things he said before he went to, into glory? That he said that you shall be witnesses unto me. Where? Where, Sister Linda? In Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Even in Wisconsin. That's what I felt like when I when the Lord sent me up here. I'm coming to the uttermost parts of the earth. <laughs> but if this is where he sent me, I'm going to be here. He sent people, he sends missionaries all over the world. He knows who needs to be where they need to be. He's got somebody in a college in Indiana. There's going to be people that he's going to put in your path. Be ready to give an answer. For the hope that's in you. That doesn't mean have a Bible study memorized so that you can regurgitate it and quote it to somebody. That's not what that means. Have your testimony. you got a testimony. I can't wait to hear the praise reports. If we'll just let Him, God will use us. He won't force us to do anything. Do you realize that? Nobody's making me do this. I don't know why I keep getting off on all this stuff. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. We are endued with power. We're just sitting around on our power, folks. Folks. We're not. We got to be out there teaching Bible studies. Amen. I'm just, uh, you know, <laughs> type up all these notes and then I don't. God, don't let me go by them. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know what he's proven to me? <laughs> I need him. I don't need this. Right? If I'll just trust him, he'll 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 tell me what to say. Here I'm up here saying that and trying to go buy some notes. Hallelujah. But when you're teaching the Bible study to somebody, it'll be good to. You're going to have the chart. It's okay. But sometimes when you get when you're going through this and you feel like the Holy Ghost is leading you to to talk about something, just just it's okay for a minute to break away. Just don't stay there unless the Holy Ghost is prompting you to do that. Because you don't know in the midst of teaching this Bible study at what point in this Bible study somebody, you're going to have to be watching and paying attention in the Holy Ghost. You don't know when that person is going to start really feeling something coming over them. You need to be ready to, be just, to just put the book down and say, let's pray. Somebody might be on the verge of receiving the Holy Ghost right there in your home. They don't have to come here they can go they can have they can happen right in your home i i'll i'll say it again I'll, I'll never forget that young marine female that got the holy ghost sitting in the recliner in my house in Okinawa. it just blew me away how's a new convert i was like okay <laughs> god is real right here in my house hallelujah jesus praise god so when we come back next sunday the lord willing, and the creek don't rise, right, Brother Wayne? We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ, and we're going to get into the prophecies. And I think instead of me going through the prophecies, because there's a lot of them, there are 29 that are mentioned here with scriptures. I think I'm just going to make a copy of this and give it to everybody. Because it's not going to be important for you to know these and memorize all these, but it'll be important for you to look through them and study them and you know, you know. The more I find my myself for me, the way my mind works, the way I learn, I can I can try to memorize scriptures all day long, and I'll forget them tomorrow. I'll forget them next week. For, far and few between are the scriptures that I've actually purposely tried to memorize. And I just, you, you, if you ask me now, I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. But you know what I do find is the more time I spend in His Word. The more time I spend studying. You know, I, I heard this one preacher talk about when he was younger in ministry, he had a lot of questions. And so he got some paper out and he wrote he wrote his questions and he left like two or three pages in his notebook. And he he wrote his question and he would study each one of those questions and he kept every time he'd run across a scripture, he'd write down that scripture that answered that question. And he said over time he filled those pages up. What do you think happened? Not only did God convince him that this was the answer because there were so many scriptures, but he, by, by virtue of the fact that he was just reading those over and over and over again without even trying to, he memorized those scriptures. So that's what, when I believe, that's when the Bible says, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say in that moment. Just be there in the moment. God will give you what to say. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this blessed day, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. I just pray that, God, something I've said has been from you and that you have spoken to your people, Lord. We we plead your blood over the remainder of this service. Pray your covering over us, Lord, as we uh, come back at 1045 for the remainder of this service, that you would move in a mighty way, Lord. Use your vessel to speak a word to this congregation, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to be together as your people today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.